This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! The first time I turned mine on, actually, I got a bit of a fright because I, I saw a flash of light whizzed across my vision, and it gave me a bit of a shock. And in fact, I kind of jumped and I said, whoa, and, and, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Turn it off. But it was just a strange side effect of electric current, I think, uh, stimulating the optic nerve. So it's definitely some current does get into the brain. You're listening to a science-focused podcast from the BBC Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Hello and welcome to the Science Focus podcast. I'm Daniel Bennett, the editor of BBC Focus magazine. In this episode, we're delving into the world of cognitive enhancement. There's a growing community of people out there who are attempting to boost their brain power by taking smart drugs and zapping their brains with electricity. In his new book, The Genius Within, David Adams turns human guinea pig and tries out some of these mind hacks for himself taking the smart drug modafinil and stimulating his brain with electricity. Along the way, he attempts to cheat his way into Mensa and asks what it will mean for society if these brain enhancers one day become widespread. But first, a little disclaimer. Doctors recommend that you do not take modafinil without an official prescription. And scientists still do not know what the long-term impacts of electrical brain stimulation might be. With that in mind, Here's our staff writer, James Lloyd, talking to David Adam. David, my first question for you, I guess, is could you describe to me what your book, The Genius Within, is about in a nutshell? I suppose in a nutshell, it's about intelligence. 
um, what it is, how we think about it, where it comes from, how we understand it, uh, what scientists know about it, uh, where it is in the brain, and using all of that to then ask the question, can we change our intelligence and not through the traditional roots of you know education and learning and hours of practice but are there are there shortcuts because there are some techniques now which are being developed um which suggest that that maybe we can that maybe we can intervene and change the way the brain works and and one of the outcomes of that could be an increase in in what we think of as intelligence mm -hmm. So am I right in thinking that these um, cognitive enhancers, you call them, it's the, it's the world of cognitive enhancement, they come into kind of two main categories. There's the, the pills and then the electrical uh, stimulation. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably broader than that. I, I think there are... Uh, those are the two that I focused on because those are the two that are easiest to just get hold of and try yourself. Um, I mean, there are there's a huge amount of research into cognitive enhancement, and some people will tell you that that brain training uh, is cognitive enhancement. You know that um, you can do certain exercises to try and improve your memory, um, or uh, there are certain um, you know foods that you could eat that people would say cognitive enhancers, or caffeine is a cognitive enhancer. Um, but I suppose in terms of where we are with the leading edge of of uh, of neuroscience i think they probably do come into into two categories and one is certainly uh pills um or certainly uh, you know some kind of um chemical that you would that you would swallow or, or usually that you would swallow um or or brain stimulation um so done from outside because there are some medical techniques where you actually surgically implant wires into the brain but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about um very small uh, either electrical or sometimes uh, magnetic fields um being used to try and um introduce small amounts of electric current into the brain right and so if they work these two different methods what kind of benefits could brain enhancement potentially provide where where could it be useful and who could it be useful for so i think I think it helps to break down what we think of as cognitive performance and, and where that is useful, because obviously um, things like uh, recall of facts and um, quick reasoning and being able to adapt uh, your knowledge to a certain situation are, are obviously very good in the academic environment. And I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of these, uh, what, what they now call smart pills, are, are used by students um, because it's it's seen as a way of them improving their performance on on exams so so there's there's an obvious example but then you could also say well the same benefit could be of use to to journalists you know trying to meet a deadline or or, or any any job or task where you have improved um, mental concentration or or um, are able to ignore distractions or, or, or um, just to keep your mind on, on the job, really. Because, and in fact, we, we know that there are some sports, uh, you know, uh, chess uh, and bridge, the, the card game, uh, ban the use of these 
drugs because they are believed to help in that way. Um, so, so there's an example for the for the drugs for the uh, for the stimulation. It's slightly different because what stimulation claims to be able to do is to target specific regions of the brain, and so those regions of the brain are responsible for a different number of tasks. Some of which are are mental, like um, being able to identify patterns or being able to sort of spot things that are out of the ordinary. Um, some of them are verbal, you know, being able to to find language skills or, 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 or to use language in a better way. Um, some of them are, are very similar to the sort of standard mental cognitive techniques, so uh, memory and recall and things like that. But some are actually not really what we would think of as cognitive skills. Um, so some of the brain stimulation aims at the motor cortex, which controls the way we move our arms and legs. And, and so in theory, um, you could uh, target a part of the brain which tells you when you're fatigued and uh, basically try and turn that message off or turn it down. Um, and, and all of those different applications are being investigated. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what got you interested in cognitive enhancement. Why did you decide to write a book about it and, um, and try it out for yourself, as we'll chat about in a minute? So what got me really interested was I, re- I wrote a book a few years ago about obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and after the book came out, I, I was invited to join um, a group of psychiatrists who are trying to improve treatments. Um, and I was brought on as sort of a, as a patient representative. And at one, at one of their early meetings, this came up. Um, they were talking about they were going to try and um, get some research money to look at whether electrical stimulation of the brain in this way can help patients with OCD. And um, I, then I, I was just really interested by that, and I started looking into it. And um, it turned out that um, a lot of these techniques uh, were being developed as 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 medical projects, if you like, uh, partly because we we've really hit the wall in in finding new treatments for for mental illnesses. Um, but then, of course, there's a long tradition in history of stuff that sort of science and and medicine develops uh, for a specific purpose, uh, and in this case, to to treat symptoms or to treat poorly people are used by by the healthy and the well to enhance themselves and take them beyond what we think of as normal limits and the classic example of that is drugs in sport uh, you know most of the drugs that are abused by athletes were originally developed as medicines and and athletes are using the same uh, physiological effects to not to treat any problem, but to take something which is normal and make it better than normal. And that is happening with these cognitive enhancers. They, they are being largely, uh, or they were originally developed or investigated as um, mental therapies, but uh, because they are so easy to do and to try, and because um, there are a lot of people out there who, who really struggle, um, with mental conditions, partly, uh, they just became something that people could try at home. And, and when they became something that people could try at home, obviously people are then going to try them for other things as well. And there's a whole community out there of, of individuals who, 
who make and buy this uh, brain stimulation stuff uh, kits and and try it on themselves and so sort of scientists and and doctors um sort of like to say oh you know we shouldn't we shouldn't do that uh, we, we don't know if it's safe we don't know what the risk the benefits are we don't even know if it works so what we need to do is 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 not do that and, and leave it to us and we'll investigate and we'll report back but of course just the world just doesn't work that way people are always going to reach out for what's available um and i thought well that's that so, so that's interesting in itself as a journalist how i mean who's doing this and, and what are the benefits and then i just started to think about i suppose um well if, if you do this on yourself uh, and, and you do improve your let's say your memory or your recall or your ability to spot patterns or whatever it is, does that increase your intelligence? Uh, and, and then it became quite an interesting philosophical question because there's a very interesting history in trying to define what intelligence is. I mean, we all use the term, but it's actually quite a slippery concept to try and pin down. Um, and I suppose it grew from there, really. It, it seemed to me a book which could have some interesting neuroscience uh, and some interesting history, uh, particularly around intelligence and the way it's been viewed. Um, but it would also allow me just to, to put some of these ideas to, to the test and, and to actually get hold of, of some of this stuff and, and see if it worked. So there's a kind of subculture of people out there then that are experimenting with these smart pills and the kind of electrical stimulation kits. Um, is this a sub subculture because the science doesn't really know how they work yet, or is it a subculture because is it is it illegal? I was wondering. Is it is it something that people have to hide away because you know if they get found out they'll get in trouble? I'm not, I'm not sure they're actually hiding it away. I I, I think um, it's a it's a subculture just because it's small. I think um, I, I don't think it's particularly um, hidden. Or, or, or difficult to, to, to get access to. A lot of these people, in fact, would like people to be more interested in it in the way that they're interested in it. Um, on the stimulation side of it, that certainly it's not illegal. Um, as it stands, there are no regulations at all. Um, and that's something that some scientists aren't happy about. Um, so you can go onto the internet and you can buy a kit, an electrical brain stimulation kit, and they will post it to you. Now, as long as they don't make any claims for medical benefits, um, there is no way at the moment of, of regulating it. And, and in fact, some of these kits have been approved by regulators to treat conditions like depression. Um, so there's no, there's no legal problem there. I mean, I guess there's an ethical issue about who you're giving it to and who you're doing it with, because I know that there are some experiments of people using these kind of headsets to try and um, change the way people with autism, you know, see the world. And there are reports that there are some parents who are who are getting these and trying them on their children. Now, uh, on their children who obviously have autism. Now, there, there's an ethical question clearly and, and a moral question. Um, when it comes to the pills, the, it, it's it's kind of a more of a legal gray area it depends where you live um so a lot of these pills are medicines so they are controlled um but they're not they're not illegal but but you're supposed to have a prescription uh to be able to to be able to have them so for example modafinil which is the most commonly talked about smart pill 
uh, in the UK, it's a, a prescription medicine, so it's not illegal to possess it without a prescription, but it is illegal to supply it. Um, and But then in some countries, so I think in uh, there are some countries around the world where you can buy it in a chemist and other countries in the world where it's possession of it is, is illegal the same way as, as, as other, um, recreational drugs. So, um, so with the drugs, it's, it, it, it's a more of a uncertain area, but that's partly just because we've had laws to try and control the use of drugs for years. And, and a lot of these just fall into the existing laws. Um, and with the, the, the brain stimulation we just we've never had to think about it before okay um i wanted to ask you about your own adventures in um brain enhancement so in the book you talk about your own um kind of self-experimentation in a way i guess um so maybe we could talk about the electrical stimulation side of things first um how did you go about finding a way to zap your own brain with uh, electricity it, it's surprisingly easy i i, I just um you can go on the internet and, and the, you don't even have to look that hard and, and you can find companies which have been set up to sell what they call our consumer versions of um, the proper name for the technology is transcranial direct current stimulation, TDCS. Um, and there are videos on the internet and YouTube of people constructing them themselves and 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 they are so basic um in in one respect um they are just they're literally just a battery a couple of wires and an electrode at the end of each wire um which you in my case it was a crocodile clip and i just used a household sponge mixed some saline solution um and strapped them to the outside of my head now, scientists will, sell, will tell you that these homemade kits aren't reliable, um, that they don't deliver um, consistent amounts of current, that they're difficult to position. And that's, that's probably true. I mean, you can buy versions that cost, mine, my version costs, I think it was £50. I mean, you can spend 10 times that easily on a version which comes with far more precise placement of the electrodes, uh, far more uh, regulated current all, all that kind of stuff and and i think the scientists are probably correct in that um those that those are better i'm sure they are better um but equally they're much harder to get hold of um at the other extreme there are companies which have almost turned these into sort of boutique um devices and and you can you can you can spend eight hundred dollars i think on a version which is um sort of packaged into a set of funky looking headphones and and they are supposed to be able to they're, they're deliberately marketed at people who want to improve their athletic skills and 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 this company has given away um pairs of these headphones to very high profile athletes in the states and and filmed them using them and so on um so and and in that case i think you just take it out of the box and put it on your head uh, and i in, in my case i had to actually do a bit more work than that but but yeah, essentially, you could just order uh, on the internet a a kit, and it comes and and you put it together in two minutes flat. So, what's the kind of voltage that these kits are um, applying to your um, to your head? Then, essentially, what mine has uh, a switch that allows me to either uh, use one milliamp of current or two milliamps of current, 
which is hardly anything. I, I think it's about the same as it would take to light probably the standby button on your TV. So physically, you don't actually feel anything at all then? Actually, you do. Um, you do. You, well, I did. Uh, and I think, I think it's quite common to feel a sensation on the outside of your scalp because that's obviously that, that's where you attach it to. I mean, you know, if you've got hair, you've, you put it as close to the scalp as you can. So what, what you're supposed to be doing is sending the electricity into the brain and then out of the brain and back up through the other electrode. But in reality, a lot of the current just goes across the, the bone. It, go, it goes through the skull because that's the easiest way for it to get out again. So and, and in response, the skull sort of warms and can get a bit itchy. Um, and you can definitely feel a sort of a tingle when, when it's turned on. Um, the, the first time I turned mine on, actually, I got a bit of a fright because I, I saw a flash of light kind of whizzed across my vision. Uh, and it gave me a bit of a, a bit of a shock. Uh, and in fact, I kind of jumped and I said, oh, and, and, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Turn it off. Um, but it was ju- it was just a um, uh, just just a strange side effect of, of electric current, I think, uh, stimulating the optic nerve. Or so, so definitely some current does get into the brain. Um, and, and when it's in there, that's when we're not quite sure what, what, what's happening. So is there any kind of theory about what's sending this electricity, albeit quite a small jolt of electricity, what, what this is doing to the brain and how this is meant to kind of improve brain function? Yeah, so I mean, it is a theory, um, but I, I, I think it's fair. I think it's, the theory is fairly well established that, the, that what's, a, what's not agreed on is how effective the current is at doing it. But, but in theory, what happens is that because, as you know, um, neurons fire and communicate with each other um, with electrical impulses. Um, and um, in applying a current to a certain region of the brain, the, the thinking is that um, biochemically or, or, or physiologically, you, you kind of soften up the neurons and make them easier to be stimulated. So it's not that, let's say you trigger, um, let's say you target the motor cortex, which we talked about before. It's not about electrical current uh, stimulation is not about actively making neurons fire and therefore actively increasing the amount of brain activity. It's, it's more subtle than that. It, it kind of lowers the threshold at which they are fired. So it makes them easier to be fired. And that's beneath one of the electrodes. Now, the reverse is true beneath the other electrode, um, the cathode, where uh, it actually, the same or, or the opposite, in fact, the polar opposite physiological effect supposedly makes those brain regions harder to activate. So it's a bit like, I suppose, um, sort of softening up parts of the brain and making them easier to, to respond to signals that they were going to get anyway and um, making other regions slightly tougher to activate so is it a kind of way of focusing the brain's attention then in in one in one specific direction i don't think it's about attention because attention implies you know cognitive awareness and um i think it's more that let's say 
you let's talk about the motor core motor cortex again let, let, let's say that you are practicing a skill so you're a ski jumper this is a real example and you, and you want to learn the best way of uh, channeling all your energy into your thigh muscles as you jump whatever it is now you know the brain plays quite a large role in that in timing and coordinating of, of the muscle activity so let's say the theory goes that we will stimulate the motor cortex while you practice that again and again and again and then the idea is that we're somehow making the motor cortex easier to fire, more responsive to what you're doing, um, and brain regions which activate more, sort of build more connections, and 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 so you lay down, if you like, um, a pattern or a foundation to be able to use that um, to, to 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 activate that um, jumping skill. Now. A lot of any neuroscientists listening to this will be throwing things at the screen, and, and, and quite rightly so, but, but that is the theory anyway. Um, as I said, we're not really sure what is going on inside the brain, but there, there certainly are some studies which suggest that if you target a particular part of the brain involved with a particular um, activity, you, you, you might be able to improve the performance of that activity. Right, okay. So how did you go about testing your kit then? What did, you, what did you do in order to find out if it worked in your case? Well, so, so the, I mean, we need, we, need to talk, we need to go back a step because what I wanted to do, I thought, well, how am I going to test um, cognitive enhancement? How am I going to test if it works? Um, you know, we need a way of quantifying it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll try and improve my IQ because that's a you know, generally accepted measure of, of, of intelligence, even if not everybody accepts the way that it's done. Um, and um, I thought, well, what's the best way to do that? Um, you know, I mean, the IQ tests that you get online are, are a joke, really. Um, equally, the proper sort of um, psychologist's issue IQ tests cost hundreds of pounds. They're, they take four hours. They're really difficult to, to actually get, get access to. So that I know I will try the Mensa entrance exam because all you need to do is to pay 25 quid you turn up you, you do the exam and they give you your IQ score and I thought well I'll I'll go and I'll, I'll do that and I'll get my IQ score and then I will um, leave it a certain amount of time and then I will do some cognitive enhancement and I'll go back to Mensa a year later and I'll do the same tests and I'll get another IQ score now, I mean, that's, it's not a scientific experiment. It's flawed in, in many ways, but it just seemed to be a useful way of trying to investigate. You know, I mean, I thought if, if I do all this and there's no, in, there's no change in my IQ score, then there's no, there's no story there, is there? So I'll do it and I'll see. And so um, when it came to the second Mensa test, I, um, for uh, a week before it, each night I would stimulate a particular part of my brain um, which had been identified in some of these uh, academic studies as helping with sort of lateral thinking puzzles, which was one of the, the mentor puzzles. So which part of the brain is this? It was the, um, the anterior temporal lobes, which I targeted. Uh, so, so, yeah, for a week before the second test, I, uh, I stimulated my own brain for, I think it was 30 minutes, uh, each night for for a week, 
and then I went and I did the, the second mentor test. Okay, well, you can tell me the results maybe at the end of the interview. That could be something to lead up to. Um, I will. Yeah. And I was always going to ask you about the smart pills because, as well as doing the electrical stimulation, you also got hold of some some of these um, brain enhancing pills, which you also took for the um, second mentor test, I believe. Um, where did you get the pills from? I was wondering. Again, I just went onto the internet. I mean, I, I read up on it, um, and I you see a lot of stories about people buying them on the internet. Uh, I knew a few scientists who, who 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 researched modafinil, and I asked them, and very quickly it became clear that no one was interested in handing any over. Partly because, as we discussed, it's illegal to supply it um, if, unless you have a prescription. Um, I thought I, I could have gone to the doctor and claimed narcolepsy. You know, that seemed a bit unethical because that's what it's given out for. It's prescribed if you have, you have narcolepsy. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just have to do what everyone else seems to do in this situation. I'll just go on the Internet and I'll, and I'll order some. And, and again, there was in five minutes flat, you can find websites which offer to sell you modafinil. They don't always say where it comes from. Um, but I... I think I paid 60 quid, maybe something like that, and, and crossed my fingers. But sure enough, a couple of weeks later, a brown envelope dropped through the mat, uh, dropped through the letterbox, and, and there were some blister packs of what they said were modafinil. Now, of course, I before I took it, I, and for the purposes of the book, I, I thought, well, I better check it actually is modafinil um, because uh, it, it could be anything, you know, and, and I didn't know where this had come from. Uh, there is a counterfeit drugs trade which just pass off anything as as as, you know, as, as medicines. Um, so, and and, it, and this is interesting because it turns out it's a lot easier to buy modafinil on the black market than it is to get anyone to test it <laughs> to check it is what it says it is. Um, I asked around and I contacted you know, big testing labs and. No one was interested, uh, partly because it was it was just me and a tiny batch. A lot of these big contract testing places are in, you know, they want to deal with companies who are going to give them a regular supply of stuff. Um, eventually, and I, I can't, I shouldn't tell tell you where, but I, I did get a lab, a university lab, who who agreed. Um, and, and I and I thought this was interesting, partly because there are all these um, academic papers written about the dangers of. Uh, taking this stuff and and the dangers of buying it over the internet and how it could be fake and but I, I couldn't find any analysis anywhere of actually anyone who'd actually tested any um and found out what was in it um so so i sent mine off to this lab um which i suppose technically made me an illegal supplier but um i didn't expect them to eat it after all this though um and they tested it and they said, yes, it's modafinil. It's, it's, it's legitimate. Um, so then I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I took one just to see what it was like. Um, and then on the day of that second Benza test, I, I took one. The first time you, you swallowed one of these pills, did you notice anything? Did you get a kind of a buzz or did you find anything? Things were sped up at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, I have to be, you know, I have to be responsible and say, don't, don't try this at home. If, you know, because because there are problems and there's certainly risks with ordering stuff off the internet. Um, but it was fantastic. 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'd never really taken particular types of, you know, I'd never taken speed, for example. And, and maybe if, I think the effect is quite similar to an amphetamine. Um, other people describe it as a bit like taking loads of, uh, drinking loads of strong coffee, but without the shakes and sort of the irritability that comes with it. I just thought it was great. I, I felt like I could concentrate. I was aware of things. Now, of course, this could be a placebo effect. You know, I, I knew that I was taking the drug. So I was, I was, I, I was watching and aware for any changes, but I definitely felt like I was, um, much more able to focus on what I was trying to do, which at the time was write the book actually. Um, so yeah. And, and less, less distracted, um, and time just seemed to be more productive. But now I guess there are scientists investigating these effects, are there? And I was wondering, are there any areas of science or medicine where the research that's kind of coming out of the brain enhancement could, are there any, yeah, are there any areas where there could be new breakthroughs or new insights provided? Yeah, I mean, certainly. So, so what's, what's quite interesting is, um, so we mentioned that a lot of these uh, scientific pro- sort of scientific investigations of these techniques started life as medical projects. Well, it's also works the other way around as well because there are um, there are these experiments what people have done with brain stimulation of the motor cortex to help people um, pedal faster or pedal harder or, or or keep pedaling after they're tired on an exercise bike, for example. And then some people who are working with rehabilitation of stroke victims are looking at that and saying, that's interesting. Maybe we could um, use a similar kind of brain stimulation to try and help people um, learn to use their muscles again or to walk again or whatever it is. Um, Because there's a way of, if you can somehow divert that message from the brain that says, I can't do this um, or, or turn it down, then perhaps you can help people to to you to, to 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 sort of rediscover the way to use those muscles, and and people are trying that with with I mean it's very 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 limited numbers, but people have tried it with stroke victims with 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 some seeming success. So, um, I mean there are definite a- applications uh, in in that respect, and then I think a, so a big part of what they're what they're trying to do with brain stimulation as a way, as a way is 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 um, I suppose they're just they're just partly they're testing how well they understand which parts of the brain do what and and partly they can try and use this kind of information to just to get um, a better sense of how the brain communicates across regions. Um, you know, if let's say if you if you turn down a particular part of the brain and you're still able to do something just as well, then that suggests either that part isn't as important as we thought or maybe brain has a way of compensating or or maybe that maybe there's some redundancy and actually it's controlled by three or four different parts of the brain or so, stuff like that so i think it's quite useful as a as as a research tool as as well as a uh trying to to have practical applications going back to the the people who take the um these brain enhancers as a way of kind of boosting their performance obviously there's there are a lot of kind of ethical questions around this um Critics might say that it, you know, it could help people who don't want to put in work to somehow cheat the system, or that only those who can afford these enhancers will be given that advantage. Um, is that something we need to be wary of? These more ethical uh, questions. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. And and some of the some of the ethical questions are some of the most interesting. Um, I mean, I, I think that we only have an ethical issue if this stuff works. So 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 that's one of the big uh, immediate questions. But I think the the ethical um, arguments around this are, in in a way, they're they're age old. Um, you know, because because there is a debate in medicine about what is uh, treatment and what is enhancement. So you know, we give um, we give statins, the drug, to healthy people to lower their cholesterol, and and so we're, we're kind of we're, we're intervening to which which has traditionally been the um, the goal of treatment. We're intervening to help normal people so so that's kind of an enhancement and so so it's a it's sort of philosophical but also i think some of it comes down to how we think about intelligence because um it's true that uh some people would say it's unfair if one student takes modafinil and another student doesn't because that's giving them a, a leg up but i mean it isn't it isn't you, you can't plant information in the brain. If you're doing a history exam, for example, you know, you, you from a daffodil to have its effect, you have to have put the work in to know the stuff that you're trying to recall or to try and use in the exam. I mean, with maths and stuff which is more based on, on reasoning, then I suppose you could make the case that modafinil gives someone a boost in that process, and, and that is in itself unfair, but then genetics or environment also give people different reasoning skills is 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 that unfair um there are some people circadian rhythms just dictate that some people do better in the morning than the afternoon is that fair um you know what about if you can't if you get if you get crippling anxiety and and nerves around exams and that completely affects the way that you're able to recall information or or to reason is is that fair so i think that the ethical questions aren't necessarily uh, restricted to, to 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 this um realm of of cognitive enhancers but they are quite a useful way i think of of illustrating them and and discussing them and i was going to ask how widespread do you think cognitive enhancement could become do you think you know fast forward 50 years the majority of people will be doing it or do you think it will remain a kind of a niche activity well it's quite hard to get reliable numbers but there are certainly surveys which suggest that a decent proportion of students scientists doctors professionals um, athletes have have experimented with cognitive enhancers usually usually the drugs and the pills um, I don't I honestly don't know and I, I think again, it comes back down to whether it whether it works or not, and whether the whether the effect is significant. Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty unlikely that we're going to have um, a headset, you know, that that, that 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 could completely change someone's way of um, performing on on a test. But but maybe we don't need to, you know. Maybe you just need something which is just going to help someone, you know. I don't know. To, to, to answer one or two questions correctly where they were going to do it incorrectly before. And that just tips someone onto, the, onto a different uh, you know, a degree scale or gives them a, a different grade in an exam or just helps them in that 
in that one moment where someone is judging them. Because that's one of the things about intelligence is that it only really makes sense as a relative measure. Um, you know, whether someone is intelligent or, or not is, is less important to society than whether they are more or less intelligent than somebody else. And, and if you view it like that, then any kind of technique uh, or opportunity to, for people to give themselves a little boost um, is, is going to be it's going to be attractive to people now, whether it will be used, I don't know, because one of the questions is, should it be, you know, and, and certainly if there's loads of evidence that comes out in the next 10 years, that suggests that it's really effective. Then I think some of the questions that we've been asking come into force. Well, you know, how, how do we regulate for that? How do we, do we, there's already one university in the States, which um, bans its students from, from taking modafinil. You know, if, if if you get caught taking a, a prescription drug without that prescription, that's you're basically um, kicked out. That, that's that's cheating. Um, you know, when I give a, I gave a talk about this, and I talked about modafinil, and there was a kid and his mum at the back of the room, and he went bright red, and his mum turned to him and said, "Is that what you took for that maths exam?" And he kind of nodded, and she said, "That was the one you got ninety five percent on, wasn't it?" Um, so, you know, I I think. I guess I guess people won't advertise it if they are doing it in a way, because they think it gives them a little benefit or 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 um, or, or or a step up. Um, so, I mean, who knows? I, I I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. It's always difficult. Uh, yeah, to, as uh, always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so finally, returning to your um, your own experiments, your own adventures in brain enhancement, can you? Um, reveal whether your own trials in this had an effect on your IQ. I can't. So I, I have to say, you know, scientific publication, um, massive caveats. Okay, I, I don't make any claims that this proves anything. I'm just going to describe what happened, and then we can talk about um, what might be behind it. So I went for my first IQ test at Mensa, and I. Um, Mensa is gives you two tests. The first one of which is what you, what I would anyway would thought thought of as a, as an IQ IQ test, which was um, sequences and objects and odd ones out and shapes that you had to rotate and things like that, um, which I found quite quite difficult. And then a second test, which is all around language. Um, so you had to. Uh, put words into sentences you had to help to uh, define words or show which was they were most uh, closely related to other words um and i uh the, the results were that i um i essentially got an iq of 125 on the first and an iq of 130 on the second the language test now um i then went back a year later and having had the brain stimulation and having targeted the part of the brain which I thought might help me with the first test, the abstract sort of reasoning. I mean, I always thought the reason I did quite well on the language test was just because of the job that I do. You know, I, I'm a journalist, I deal with words, it just seemed to be it, it just seemed to be less a test of intelligence than just a test of um, my sort of experience in a way. But so I kind of focused on 
the first of those. And, and I did this brain stimulation. And you had it, did you have a, a pill as well on the, on the morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did on the morning, yes. I took a modafinil and I went and I redid a year later the Mensa test and I scored uh, roughly the same on the language, but my IQ as measured by the first test had gone up to 135. So that's an increase of 10 points. That's quite an improvement then. Quite an improvement. Um, just about statistically significant. Um, could be down to random chance. Could be a, a placebo. Um, could be down to the fact of the modafinil and the brain stimulation. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that if it had come out of uh, if, if the results for the second test had been the same, then we probably wouldn't be talking because there, there was <laughs> there's no effect to to try and explain. There'd be no story there. Well, you know, a less a less interesting story certainly. Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Maybe I subconsciously tried harder on the second test. Certainly, um, maybe I remembered how to do the questions or something like that. I, I don't know. You know, I, 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 as I said, I don't claim that it's a massively important scientific finding. Um, but undoubtedly my performance the second time was better and technically it made me more intelligent. And I guess the question is, are you going to carry on, you know, taking these smart pills and doing this electrical stimulation now you've written your book? I think the electrical stimulation will go back in the box. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Um, the modafinil, I still have it. I still, the, 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 the lab didn't use that many. And I've still got a pack of them. Um, I haven't taken one since, but I'm not ruling it out. That was David Adam there talking about his self-experiments in brain enhancement. His book, The Genius Within, is out now. Thanks for listening to the Science Focus podcast. The March issue of BBC Focus magazine is on sale now. In it, we take a closer look at the UK's loneliness epidemic – and find out how being alone hurts on a biological level. We're also looking at the plan to use forests to shield cities from earthquakes, and the research that could protect your brain from the harmful effects of stress, and of course, much, much more. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store.